glory in the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus. But it is far more than a story. It is history. It is reality for millions of people around the world that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became a man, became one of us. Why? So that he could redeem us. The men are distributing to you here the lyrics to the words that the choir just sang, to the song, The Greatest Story Ever Told. The words are beautiful as they recount the history of Jesus. They recount who he is. But if you look at the words as you get them here, you'll notice that the song starts off actually rather bleak. It starts off rather bleak, for it describes our condition as human beings and what grips each of our hearts. The Bible tells us that all have sinned, everyone. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all done wrong things. We have all thought, said, and done things that displease God, things that break His law. Those wrong things are sin. And the Bible tells us that way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is when sin entered into the world. And it tells us that sin has passed on to everyone since. It's a problem, it's a curse that has fallen upon the entire human race. Sin binds and grips each of our hearts. In fact, Jesus said that whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. Indeed, as the lyrics of the song said, sin grips the heart within a curse on fallen men. Sin is a curse, and sin impacts every aspect of our lives. It impacts every aspect of creation, every part of everything. Every one of us know what it means to be proud. Every one of us know what it means to be selfish. We all have that problem, even from a young child. Pride, thinking of us better than we ought, thinking of us without sin, without problems, without anything, and yet then also thinking everything is deserved to us. And you might say, well, that's not me, but that is us. This is a part of sin, of who we are. With pride and selfishness, we hold this inside. But this sin is really bad news because not only does it cause us a lot of trouble, but each one of us, because of our sin, are condemned. The Scriptures tell us, Jesus actually told a man named Nicodemus that all who do not believe in Jesus are condemned already. You see, sin is breaking God's law. And we're all sinners. We've all broken God's law. And the Bible tells us that the wages, the condemnation for sin is death. Not just physical death, but an eternal death, a judgment, a condemnation in a lake of fire, a place called hell. But God is not willing that any should perish, and that is why the greatest story ever told is told. Because God 
so loved the world. God, the creator of all things, who created mankind, even though mankind rebelled against him and disobeyed him, God still loves his creation. And God sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate this Christmas, to die on the cross of Calvary so that we need not perish, so that we need not be condemned, but have life. But the cost, the price that had to be paid was great. Who would give a life for a wicked one? Would I lay down my life? Would I sacrifice my life for my wife? You might say, I hope you would. Most certainly I do too. For my children, for my dearest friends. But would I lay down my life? Would you lay down your life for the most heinous enemy of yours? The one who has wronged you? Well, in Romans chapter 5 in the Bible, it tells us that God commendeth, he demonstrated, he showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We speak of a righteous man who would die for his friends. Yea, scarcely one would die for his friend. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the greatest story ever told there in the first verse of this song is we had a loving friend who came to save us. We are not his friend. In fact, we are his enemy. But yet he chose to be a loving friend to us. And he came to save us. And the only way that Jesus could save us was to give his life for us. Now, there's something unique about him as we look into the second verse of this song, for it tells us in the song, and it tells us in the scriptures that he lived a perfect life. In him was no sin. His heart was not gripped with sin. He did not have pride and selfishness that he held and harbored inside. No, Jesus Christ was sinless. He never committed a single sin. He never even thought a wicked thought. He was always kind, and he always did good. In fact, he did more than good. He did the, possible, the impossible. He not only lived a perfect, sinless life, he gave blind their sight. And actually, that's just one example of one of the miracles that he did. He not only gave blind their sight, but he healed the lame so they could walk again. He even raised people from the dead. Those who had been truly and truly, truly dead and even in the grave, he gave them life again because he is the prince of life. The song declares that he fulfilled the things foretold by prophecy. Oh, how Christmas that is so vividly illustrated for us. In over, over 700 years before Jesus was born, the Hebrew prophet Isaiah declared that a virgin would conceive and bear a child, and his name would be called Emmanuel. And when, just shortly before Mary conceived this child, the Virgin Mary, the angel told her that this would be a fulfillment of the prophecy. And the miracle of the virgin conception came true, a fulfillment of prophecy. The events of history moved and orchestrated so that 
Jesus would be born not in his parents' hometown of Nazareth, but in the faraway Judean town of Bethlehem, just as Micah the prophet had prophesied before hundreds of years. But there was other prophecies that were given regarding Jesus, not just about how he would live and what he would do, where he would be born, but how he would die. For you see Jesus, then the story of Jesus, the greatest story ever told, is not just about the one who lived the perfect life and gave the blind their sight. He's not just the one who fulfilled the things foretold by prophecy, but he's the one who humbly took his cross and died to save the lost, their sins forgiven. You see, the problem is that sin grips our hearts, and the greatest story ever told is that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, became one of us, and he humbly took a cross, and he carried it up that hill of Calvary, and there he allowed evil and wicked men to nail him to that cross, to mock him, to torture him, and to set him up on that cross. But they didn't kill him, and the cross didn't kill him because he is the prince of life. He allowed it all to happen because he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. Those angels we rejoice in, that, glory, that magnificent host that sang at his birth, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. All of those angels could have descended there on Calvary, released him from that cross. He didn't even need their help. He could have done it himself. But he was there willingly because he was a friend. He was the friend, the loving friend who came to save us. And the only way to save us was for him to shed his blood for him to die on the cross so that he could be the propitiation for us all. The propitiation is so that the wrath of God could be removed from us because he satisfied all that was required and demanded by the justice and the righteousness and the holiness of God. Jesus Christ's sacrifice that day removed all of the wrath of God that is worthy to be poured out upon us as a sinful people. And that is why Jesus, he humbly took his cross and died to save the lost, each one of us, their sins forgiven, our sins forgiven. Yes, the greatest story ever told is of this Jesus, how he came to earth to rescue sinful men, sent from the Father up above to sacrifice and love and take our place. You, me, every one of us, everyone in the world deserves to be hung on a cross. We all deserve to die for our sins. But again, God is not willing that any should perish. And this is why Jesus, our loving friend, came and he died to take our place, to take my place, to take your place. And not just to save us from our sins and to give us forgiveness, but to pour out upon us his unending grace. Oh, the grace of God, the loving kindness of God, his gracious goodness that he pours out upon us, and it is unending. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, it says that in the ages to come, 
God might show to us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. God's grace is a sustaining strength. God's grace is a saving power. God's grace is an everlasting life. And God's grace is unending. No matter what trial we face, no matter what temptation we face, no matter what we face, God's grace is there to be given. It is unending. It will not fail. It will not go away. It's there for us if we will but receive it. This is part of the greatest story ever told is how, how Jesus came to save us and to give us life. But you might be thinking, wait, how could he give us life? You've just told us he was hung on a cross. He died on a cross. Now, many of you already know the story, so you may not ask that question, but it's a good question to ask. Did he stay dead? And the answer is no, for we declare that he rose from the dead three days later. We have witness of that, both of the word of God and of eyewitnesses. For it tells us that this Son of God who gave his life and took the grave obeyed his Father's will despite the cost, but death could not contain his power, his love, his grace, for he is risen. He is alive, and this is why he can save. This is why he can forgive. This is why he can give unending, everlasting grace. For indeed, truly, the greatest story ever told is of this Jesus, how he came to earth to rescue sinful men, sent from the Father up above to sacrifice and love and take our place and give unending grace. This is the greatest story ever told. You've heard it. What have you done with this greatest story ever told? In John 3, Jesus was telling us of this greatest story. He said in John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, the world is every one of us. You could put your name in there. For God so loved Stephen, God so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, his eternal son. And it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, perish in that lake of fire, but have everlasting life. Have you this morning believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, today is a day that you can confess your sin to him, confess your need to him, acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you need your sins forgiven, that you have a heart of pride and selfishness. It's not hard for us to admit that, is it? for we all have it, and to humble ourselves, believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus and him alone for life everlasting. You see, the greatest story ever told is that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, if Jesus hadn't come, we'd be condemned for it tells us in the very next verse there in Ephesians, in, in John 3, 18, he that believeth on him, that is Jesus, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Have you believed in the name of the Son of God? 
You have heard the greatest story ever told. Will you receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Believe on him. And if you've never done that, what better day to do it but Christmas Day 2020? To believe on Jesus Christ, to be saved, to be rescued, to have your sins forgiven, to receive the Holy Spirit of God, and to receive everlasting life. And then you too can go forth telling the greatest story ever told. Many of you here this morning have already believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have been saved, you've been rescued, you've been forgiven, and you have everlasting life, and you have the Spirit of God. Do you go forth and do you love to tell this story? Do you love to tell this story, the greatest story ever told? Let's be faithful in doing so. I was incredibly challenged this week myself to continue on keeping on being faithful, loving to tell the story. This week I had an experience where we had a little auto accident and resolving all the situations with the auto accident. We take our alternate, our second car, and I pull in to meet the, the, the tow truck to pull away the other vehicle. And just as I pull away, one of my brake pads falls out, and it turns out that one of my slider bolts had frozen up, and so I had no, I had no vehicle vehicle, none, none at all. And the day was one of those days where it was like, this is going to be a bad day, and it's one of those days where I really tempted to be cranky and cranky and grumpy. I had lots of good helpers that came along to come alongside me to help me get some things taken care of. And I had some strangers help me too. Some were at the auto shop. Going in there to get parts, the new rotors, the new Kyle bracket with the sliders that weren't frozen, and all of these details. And, and so we're checking out, and, um, and he asked me my name, and I give him my name because I'm already kind of sorted in their system. And he goes, he goes are, are you related to, to a Virgil? I'm like, yep. He goes, are, are you related to a Charles Walter? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, okay. I used to work for your grandfather from 1990 to 1999. But then he kind of got interesting because I had told him before, I'm not a mechanic. So, you know, I'm verifying all these parts. I'm like, I need your help. I'm not a mechanic. And then there, um, he, he had, he had told, I told him, I, I, I'm, I'm actually a preacher. And he says, that doesn't surprise me because you're related to a preacher. And I just assumed he was talking about my dad, right? My dad's a preacher. But he continued on in his story, and he said, your grandpa used to preach to us every Christmas time. And I thought, huh. The piano guy, this guy perceived as the preacher because he preached every Christmas. He's like, doesn't surprise me that you're a preacher because my grandfather was a preacher. And that motivated me and encouraged me as I then kind of went on to inquire of his state to seek to know if he had known and understood and believed the greatest story ever told. Over in a cemetery in Mishawaka where my grandfather's body is laid to rest awaiting the great resurrection, on the backside of his tombstone is carved in to that headstone, the words to the song, I love to tell the story. The greatest story ever told is of this Jesus. And when I pass, when you pass, will we be remembered as the preachers 
Not the preacher who stands up here on a stage or behind a pulpit, but it's the preachers who in our day-to-day lives love to tell the story. The greatest story ever told is of this Jesus. This morning, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to have been saved? If not today, trust in him. Believe on him. And if you have believed on him, I plead with you that you go forth loving to tell the story and telling the story to all whom you meet.